Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men TV Weekly Podcast, the show where we bring you some of the best clips from our Red Men Plus shows. Before we even start, just to let you know, if you want to listen to these shows in their entirety as podcasts, or if you want to watch them as videos on your devices, if you head over to redmenplus.com, sign up as a yearly club captain. That would usually cost you 50 quid for the year. If you input the code weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, when you sign up as a yearly club captain, we'll give you it for half price. 50% off, so yeah, basically 25 quid. Works out at less than 50p a week for all these shows. So yeah, if you're interested in what you're about to hear and you get to the end and you think, you know what, I really want to listen to those more or watch those more, head on over to redmenplus.com, yearly club captain, use the code weekly and grab yourselves an absolute massive, massive discount. Right then, let's get cracking with the first clip. We are speaking on the Biased Football Podcast. We love the Biased Football Podcast. Gives us a little chance to talk about other teams who aren't Liverpool because sometimes Liverpool basically do our heads in so yeah it was me it was Paul it was Chris and it was Chloe on this week's episode check this out can I can I read some stats to you um four shots to 23 shots one shot on target to six shots on target 27% possession to 73% possession um Nottingham Forest one Manchester City have you seen the howlers the howlers, the open goals that Manchester oh. City missed. The first one's bad enough to hit the bar, to blaze it over from two yards out and practically kick it out of the stadium. That is, I don't know what he's gone for there right yet, but it's absolutely astonishing how he's even been able to Imagine do that. Imagine if he could finish it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, even like the Laporte header, like it, it, it just hits the goalie and the bollocks. Yeah. Like sometimes it just, look isn't in. City actually played quite well. They were, they were, I, I, again, I, I went back. <laughs> they had, yeah, well, they had 73% of possession is... and had 23 shots on goal. They, 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 Forrest offered nothing in that football match. Well, we were Until watching the 84th, with the, um, the, the the momentum chart during the watch along for us and uh, and it's crazy. Yeah, like they, they didn't have any momentum not in the first in the first half, not even a tiny. I'm not even sure they got the half. Uh, again, I only I only watched it back on the in preparation. I watched like the extended highlights, and it's all just Man City, Man City, Man City, yeah. and like when Bernardo scores that goal, um, which I think the goalie probably should have saved. By the way, um, you think oh this is well the floodgates are open now on its own. It is just an anomaly. Like that game, more but it's, but it's not. This is the point about City this, this, season. this season, and that's not necessarily, you know, it goes back to your point exactly before. how they lose games normally. Normally, it's you actually go and have a go at them, and you upset them, and maybe you get a you get a lead or whatever. But 
it's it's really encouraging to know that you can just dig in for your lives. You know what like, it's We love watching them. We love working out ways to try and upset them. Good coach, you know, and, and they did. You mentioned before on the last show, like, when you're heavily reliant on one fella to score your goals, if he shits the bed and has a bad day, that's how you get in trouble. In that, that's the time when you want, you, if your goals are spread around, right, most others having an absolute stinker, they decide the old man to pop, you know, or vice versa. They are so heavily reliant. Their team is built around getting him in the box and scoring chances. And listen, he's fucking brilliant at it. He's going to break Salah's record this season in the league. There's absolutely no question about it. But that that's what can happen if you if you are so focused. If Harry Kane has a bad game in front of goal for Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham can't win. Man United might be in the same boat now with Rashford. I don't know, but that that's what City found themselves the other day. Is that somebody else like Phil Foden has to score, yep. and he, he tries to pass it to Haaland. No, no, no. You, don't worry about him. Like you fucking just score a goal. That's what they found themselves in. It might still work out for them because, like I say. He is that good that more often than not he will get those chances to score them. But if Erlen Haaland has a bad game now, Man City don't win. And that's, that's different from Man City of old. Like they, there was four, five, six different players they could rely upon and it doesn't feel like they can. And, and that's what we're talking, Chloe, when you were talking about before, like those chances, you shit, you shit, you shit to the bed with those chances. Yeah. And look, strikers can miss things, they can. No Tom striker scores. Done God no. Loads stri- all good strikers miss chances. But when you need them to score eventually the, the well's going to run dry and it's going to cost you. Yeah, it is. And we've, we've mentioned it. They rely on him. He is their vocal point. And we talk about this. Does he make them a worse team, a better team? He'll get goals and he'll be unbelievable for them. But you have to integrate it in where Bernardo Silva's an unbelievable footballer. I can't stand the lad. He should have more involvement. Mares should have more involvement. You're naming <coughs> these players. Phil Foden's been absolutely incredible. I've hardly ever seen him this season. And when you said he he was second in the Premier League for goals in, for Manchester City, where? Like, I'm a bit surprised by that. Um, and look, City, uh, for some reason... The only time when they want to win a league is when Liverpool is there <laughs> and when they physically have to beat us. And I don't think Arsenal have set the standards of Liverpool and I think that's what City like. City likes someone setting the standards for them to just go and basically bully them. Arsenal kind of has. Their points total good. The points yeah, total is but... ridiculous. They're on 54 points. They're on for 97. <laughs> like it's mad, like they could be, but I don't what, what, think they'll what, get 97. I, I think we might have found Alan Haaland's uh, kryptonite. Open goals, five yards out. <laughs> Stop defending him. Yeah, like, just like, maybe Let everyone should just give him that. Remember the league, the uh, community shield when he misses him? Like, yeah. he, he's done that a few times. He's done it at Dortmund as well. Like, there's something about that guy where yeah, he is like, because he's so strange and he's so unorthodox. Like, I don't know, I just taps that in. Like, I don't know, there's something about, like, he, because he is such a bit, like, I don't know what it is. It's something like he, he wants to blam it in sometimes. Like, the goal he scored against Arsenal, ironically, was a touch really of class. Good, and, yeah. and, 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 like, he can do that, but it, it, it's just odd. Like when he finds himself, his go-to thing when he's five yards out is to just well you, and that's all well and good. If you decide, but like there's been a couple of times now with him, and he is he is sensational. He's one of the best finishers you will ever see. But like I gotta say, it feels like City got all the legs in one basket. Yeah. They've got, they've gone down the route of, but everything's in the Harlan train. And you know it, what they're it, missing this season, Raheem Sterling. Yeah, the second yeah. scorer, another a guy who scores. 15 to 20 goals a season in addition they needed Grealish to step up and score goals yeah. or whoever plays like, Mares is yeah you're, you are right it's that secondary scorer um, Kevin De Bruyne gets a couple that well, Kevin De Bruyne is their top league goal scorer last season and Sterling's second 
you know, and and the Royal has not been at that rate this season because again, he hasn't had to be because his job now is to kick the ball to the lad who does. Assist numbers are great. I think I think I honestly think people are over analysing this too much. This is a transition year for Manchester City. Yeah. That's that's what people have got to remember. I think you know you've completely changed the type of striker that you've got up front. I mean, listen, Pep Guardiola didn't want Sergio Aguero. But Sergio Aguero sticks seven seasons back-to-back for fucking City scoring fucking loads and loads of goals. Pep Guardiola decided, I'm going to make... I'm going to make our side work for uh, Aguero. He'll, this Haaland chat, is, it's its nonsense. He's a fucking amazing player. And he will tear this league up for 10 more years. He won't be here. That's the problem. He won't be here. I'm with you on the are in transition, but I don't think he's going to be around long enough, Haaland, to make it worth doing. You know what I mean? Where'd he go? I think at some point he'll go and... Well, he's got he's got a release clause at the end of the next season for them. I think yeah. So it's it's like is it just set up for Madrid? I think so. Yeah, I think much. it's outside the Premier League. Take it's, him. It's 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 one of them because we're What the, I listen, they haven't spent hundred million million pound on Jack Grealish because he defends well. Like you mean the Avans? He's there because he's meant to score goals for them, and the, that's the, I'm with you. I think they are transitioning to whatever the, they are now. The Harl, we, we funnel everything towards Dale and Harland, and he'll score loads, and he will score. Like I say, he will break Salah's record of that. I'm saying this season he'll score 33 Premier League goals at least. Can I ask a question though on this? Because they clearly wanted Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah. And they've obviously, for whatever reason, they didn't they didn't push the button on that. Maybe the Daniel Levy didn't let them. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they spent. I think too much they were worried on... about financial fair play. I <laughs> 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 those rules, guys. <laughs> 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 oh god! Oh, the joke, <laughs> um, but that's the kind of forward he clearly wanted. He wanted someone to knit the whole thing yeah. together, and then they, I, I don't know that he want. Not that he doesn't want Grealish and didn't want Haaland, but City have decided to go down the more of a Galacticos route in recent in the in the last couple of seasons to go and get bigger names. Does make you wonder if they'd sign Kane? He, I think he would have. He would have been a more natural fit for what that city side had become than this. Which you're right; it's a bit like go. They had a season where they didn't have a striker, so they they made the ultimate Pep Guardiola side, and now they're having to go back to the the Aguero thing, and it has it's made them one dimensional. And that's what people say now. You don't even need to defend Haaland. You 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 know you because you can't defend against Erling Haaland. You either trust him that he misses, or you go and boot the the shite out of. Kevin De Bruyne, but if for some reason either it doesn't click and it happens, you don't score a, a goal a game. Maybe on average over a season you do because you'll score a hat trick here, you'll score four there, but nobody scores in every single game of football, and they are so heavily weighted. And you might be a transition thing or whatever, but that's but it's it's where it's 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 an interesting talking point, isn't it? Because that they're not they're not challenging the title this season oh, because they've gone down this route. They're not that great at the back anymore. Like, it, yeah, it, that's, it. That, that, that's the thing as well. Like man, everyone going on about City when we were winning leagues against them and or, or they in the, in the uh, races against them each other. Their defense was mean. Like often they had more you know better clean sheet record and fewer goals conceded than us at times. It feels like quite easy to score like literally one chance, one goal, and it wasn't that hard to score that goal. It was no. it was a pretty you know Chris Woods on his own nice, two nice yards out. The right side, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. They're not like. I don't think Diaz is playing anywhere near that first level when he first arrived. They've got problems um, at fullback as well. Ironically, they, they let Zinchenko go. They probably could maybe he'd be, he'd be playing, wouldn't he? You'd think now. Well, they've um, let two. They've let two yeah. fullbacks go. Them. Yeah, and then yeah, um, they wanted Cucurella. Remember, maybe I don't know. Either either got him, but like they, they they're not right really. Um, 
And like I said, I, I think John Stones is brilliant. I think Ruben Diaz is brilliant. I think Laporte's brilliant. But whether it's systematic or something like that. But then he played Rod, he played Rodri at centre half against the Arsenal. He doesn't think he don't he pepped it against the Arsenal where he changed it and, and changed it back again. Have you just... noticed this thing on the centre half's chat, by the way? Everyone ever since Virgil van Dijk's come into the Premier League, there's a there's a oh no, there's the new best centre half in the Premier League every single season. This is the guy. He's better than Virgil van Dijk. Him. Oh, and then you get all the memes and you get the and oh look, here's Virgil van Dijk getting dribble pass. He can't be that good. La la la. Every, there seems to be a new one every single time. I'm sorry, but Laporte is not that. Laporte's not that good. Ruben Diaz is not that good. And now you've got um, Saliba. Is it at Arsenal? Who's had an absolute stinker of a fortnight for them as well? Just think it's quite funny. You're right. Is that City are supposed to be a much better defensive side? They don't even play like really. They really play attacking fullbacks either. You know, they they, they do they keep playing Nathan Ake fullback for God's sake. You know, and yeah, they they are they're, they're, a, they're a bit of a a mess of a side, and again, Harland, I just think is 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 scoring them out of trouble at the minute because he's so much better than the vast majority of teams that he's coming up against. Right, they're moving away from other clubs. We're back to talking about the Reds. Saws about that. Unfortunately, yeah, the Reds didn't exactly cover themselves in glory against Real Madrid on Tuesday night, did they? Well, some therapeutic sessions. We've been saying that a lot recently, haven't we? Some therapy on the final word show this week. It was Paul, it was Steve Plunkett, and it was Andy Bell. Like I say, on the final word, Joe, dissecting the wreckage that was Liverpool 2, Real Madrid 5. The optimism had really turned the corner um, going into this one and you really felt it, I think, in the build-up to this yeah. to this game. Uh, I, I thought everything just felt like it was back. You know, everything was going in the right direction. Um, the atmosphere around the ground was great. Went to do the coach greeting, brilliant. You know, like really great atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. Get into the grounds. Anfield is bouncing, the, the songs are there, the support, Spine Cop got the flags out again. Just feels right and and yeah, we started like an absolute house on fire. Yeah, it was a, a typical Anfield early blitz in Europe. It was amazing. The atmosphere was top quality. You know, we get an early goal, Nunez is back in form, um, Salah makes it two, and like you're it's just it's you're you're starting to think like could this be sort of like City in twenty eighteen? Can we get three, four, five even to take to the Bernabeu, which now sounds absolutely ridiculous and naive and ludicrous, but that's how I was feeling at the time. I was thinking before the game, you know, any sort of win would have been nice, but to go two nil up so early, you are starting to think, you know, let's 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 really go for the jugular here but um, it, it wasn't to be we conceded a, a, a really world class goal and then I think the second kills us going into the second half because 2-1 well at half time you're still saying good performance and Andy we're meant to be doing the good stuff <laughs> Sorry. so chronologically people can turn off when they, when they need to let's not let's not burn through the good stuff too, too quickly on this one um, just going back to the start of the game Steve Liverpool had the right approach you know it was a classic Liverpool European under the ninth under the lights performance where we really got in their faces, we were aggressive, the noise levels were up, they couldn't breathe, they couldn't turn, they couldn't they couldn't manufacture more than a handful of touches on the ball. Um I thought we were I just thought we were great, you know, and, and it really did give give so much encouragement that it was well within the 
capabilities of this side to get something out of the game. Absolutely. All the noise, you know, the, the lads would look like they were looking forward to the game, which is not something we've been able to say too much this season. Every the next game around the corner is a task. It's arduous and it means trying to get things right, but off the back of two clean sheets, two wins, six points, the feeling was good. The, the players came out. It's that rolling back, like Andy says, it was that rolling back the years to some of our previous uh, Champions League campaigns. And we were so on the front foot, foot the front three were electric, you know. Um, the, the flick from Nunes is absolutely sumptuous, isn't it? What a goal that is for the first goal. Yes, absolutely. Um, the- I think he's he's really struggled since the World Cup. Yeah. And I think you can see, and, I, and I, all season I think he's gone in his own head a little bit. And I think having some fans on his back and all, and all those kind of things have definitely uh, contributed to that. But this last week he's felt like the Darwin Nunes that I think we felt we were getting. When yeah. we're from from one from Benfica, the one we saw up up close and personal, that finish is a pure confidence finish. Mm. You don't you don't try them, let alone score them, unless you're really in a in a good place. And it looked like he was absolutely thriving in that environment. Yeah, we we saw the the Nunes that turned up with Benfica last night. In, in, in the early stages, he was a proper thorn in the side. Um, the technique to do that's absolutely ridiculous because that ball is fizzed in. It's not what football player that it reminds you of the most. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Doing that? Yeah. Um, hard to say. Have you got one in mind? John Barnes. Think so? Yeah. yeah, he would have tried that. I think wouldn't he did it against Crew once in a in a, in a club. Daniel, Bobby, Bobby did it against. Bobby's got Did one, Robbie yeah. Keane do it once? For I us. mean, Robbie Keane has scored that many goals in his career. This is for <laughs> us. Yeah, not for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but more the point is is yeah. the timing of it, the magnitude of the game, the opposition, yes. the fact that, as you said, he's not had a, a, the season we would have wanted from start to, to where we are now. But the signs in recent weeks are this guy's going to be a thorn in everybody's side. The, the goal, the goal to try that against yeah. Real Madrid, that four minutes into the game, 
and still and to do it that you way. Saying, God, I thought you were doing an Andy impression there for a second there. <laughs> 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 well, there <isn't> it? <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. The, 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 the temerity to try yeah. uh, to score a, like a backheel flick from across against the guy who was man of the match in the Champions League exactly. final in that environment. No, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And it, it kind of, that all added to the tone, I thought, Andy, because we had this thing going into it of like Thibaut Court. Oh my God, you know, he's a brilliant goalkeeper. I also know that he can have games, but he's not brilliant. We remember him from Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But there's a little, there was an aura off the back of the Champions League final. And to just come in and score that past him, again, it, it was like, it took the pressure off the whole team. It was going... Well, yeah, we don't have to work super. We don't have to put the ball pinpoint into bottom corners to get past this guy. And obviously, it's exacerbated even further by the fact that he effectively just knees one into the path of Salah <laughs> yeah. a few minutes later. But that again, Nunes kicked that all off for us because when you score that, it's a bit like Messi's penalty in the in the World Cup final of like if you do something that wild, it kind of sends it. It sets the tone for the rest of the team on the night. Well, it was meant to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 that that first goal is just amazing. I mean, it's, it's a great ball from Salah, but there's still he needs to get a lot of purchase on that on that flick. You know what I mean? A lot of people, a lot of players try that and they don't get enough purchase on it. They they make contact, but but nothing else really. And that would have been an easy save for him. But he actually directs it past him, and you know it's an it's an incredible flick. And then yeah, the second one is just it's just endemic of the the Anfield atmosphere. It's endemic of the pure panic that was instilled into Real Madrid at that time, and we capitalized on it. And we, you know we, we we get that second goal, and you know it's uh. It, it comes from good pressing, which we haven't really seen enough of this season. Certainly, obviously, the midfield are a bit older now and can't um, and can't get about the pitch as much. But that first sort of 15, 20 minutes, if you target those moments and you, you have to target the first twenty minutes at Anfield in a European night, then you're able to force them into mistakes. And it sort of comes from I think it's Carbajal plays a bit of a horrible ball to him. Now he still should put it into the stands, like like Allison should. As we'll come on to talk about, um, but it comes from that. And yeah, it was just they were trying to play it out. They were trying to get the ball on the floor with their players like Modric and Kamavinga who were so impressive on the night but yeah. first 15-20 minutes they were rattled and you could see that it was yeah it was just brilliant and, and obviously Mo worth a mention because it'll get lost in all the, the rest of the noise around the game stay you know our all time record goal scorer brilliant moment for him um, and it's almost a shame that we don't we're not sat here talking about this because that's a big moment you know to finally overtake Steven Gerrard um, he's been absolutely brilliant for the club. I thought he was brilliant in that opening as well mm. for us. He was such a threat. Unfortunately, yeah, it's been a bit of the nature of Salah's season that he had that really, really bright start to the game and much like the rest of the side, his influence waned as the game wore on. Really. Yeah, I mean, prior to his goal, he went past a couple and he's only got the goalkeepers to beat and he doesn't hit the target. And I'm, sh- I'm screaming, square it, because if he squares it, Gakpo's got a side foot and it's 2-0. But we, we go through that and then obviously, I think Courtois is trying to lift the ball over him and it actually rattles between his knees. He's got the longest legs you've ever seen. So like, like, that's a long way away, the ball, isn't it, from your face when you're that tall? And then and then obviously Salah finishes it with a plum. And there's, there's other chances in the first half that we, we created a lot. You know, the start was bright, the start was effective. We really had them on the back foot. Um, we did have them rattled. We certainly had them rattled. I think if, if we there was a stage when it was... I think it was two one. We'll talk about it when they block one on the line. That's yeah, the difference for me. That's a, that's a, that. Yeah, we will we'll, we'll come to that. I mean, the the first Real Madrid goal. I'm thinking a bit. Oh, you know that was. Oh, that's a bit against the script. That's kind of not meant to happen. But it's a it's a. I think it's a really good goal. I mean, there's there's an argument that can, you know we can get a little bit tighter to him maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I you know I've seen Iron Robin do the reverse of that goal for an entire career. 
and no one goes, you know, eventually everyone goes, well, he's so good that that's his goal and that's how he's going to score. I'm t- I'm happy to kind of say, well, if you, if you if you duck past like three Liverpool players and, and bend it into the bottom corner past Allison, you do deserve a little bit of, a little bit of credit. But in that regard, and it was it was okay. We were we were still in good shape there. You know the fact that and Steve mentioned it. We go down the other end and Carvajal puts in one of the all time great blocks to stop Darwin Nunes from 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 converting. That was a that ends up being a big moment because if we're just able to shuffle that across the line, I think the momentum comes straight back to Liverpool, and you get to treat that as okay. Well, you've had you, you've had your little moments. This is us, though. We're right on top. But unfortunately, what happens is Allison then just has a total brain fart in front in, in his own eighteen yard box, and it's sad to say because it's so early into the game still. It's actually the, the moment that basically kills Liverpool off in the game. Yeah, it is. I think it's either that or the, the goal just after half time, which which really sort of makes a difference and really kills us off. I think, you know, we we get we get two 0 up, and I mean that's an absolutely glorious goal from Vinicius from an absolutely superb player. I mean he's not just speeding behind; he killed us with the verticals. Remember in that in that COVID season with his runs in behind Nat Phillips and he, he shows he's got that other side of his game as well and you know I'm I was other end of the he's ground. more than just being able to run behind Nat Phillips yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably good to have an extra sort of string group over there like, you know. yeah 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 it's quite a common string I think in football but, yeah. I think so I think a few of us around this table might might have that string to repose but um, you know I, I'm other end of the ground um, in the lower main uh, towards the away fans and you're looking at it in the position and you're not like your heart's not in your mouth uh you know the, like it was when Modric skipped past two or three of her players was going to talk about for the fifth goal you're not thinking this is an amazing position he's sort of makes something out of nothing and yes we probably should get a block in there's four or five players around him um and i think allison then reads it a couple of moments later because vinicius almost scores the exact yeah. same goal and it's a really really good save but you certainly can't blame the keeper for the first one Right then, thanks to Paul and the guys for that one. Moving on, Dan Club was back with yet another expert insight and this one might be a topical one considering what happened in that Real Madrid game. Dan was discussing with Dr. Konstantin Ekner, he, for those who don't know by the way, a commentator and reporter over in Germany. Big, 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 big guy over there. Yeah, loves loves the footy, loves talking about it and loves reporting on it as well. Dan spoke to Dr. Ekner about Jürgen Klopp. What does Jürgen do about rebuilding the Liverpool side? Who, quite frankly, I say, I've looked a bit of a shadow of their former selves. So yeah, here is Dan with Dr. Ekner. Jürgen Klopp has said he's 100% committed to the upcoming project. He has too much responsibility and he doesn't want it to end and he wants to sort it again. So... Let's get into it. Jurgen Klopp. Um, he mastered his trade at he mastered his trade at Mainz. I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. He then went on to rejuvenate Russia Dortmund. Now he has got a history for cleaning up messes of football clubs. He arrived in Dortmund in two thousand eight, and they'd been through three managers the year before. Now I didn't realise that until researching for this. Um, and they'd had their worst Bundesliga season in twenty years. What made him the right man for the job at the time? I mean, I mean, Dortmund were a little bit out of options, uh, to be fair, right? I mean, they, they just went through a number of managers the pre- previous couple of years, and uh, they were looking for someone, maybe not not for, for one of the the old fashioned, the, the old school kind of kind of managers, because they they had a couple of them before. Yeah. But they looked for a younger guy, someone with a certain charisma, who might also bring something new to to a club. Because Dortmund, they still had a lot of fans, a lot of a lot of match day spectators. There are still sixty thousand or so went. Uh, on average, at least, uh, to the games, even though they were struggling heavily. Um, but there wasn't really anyone 
representing the club in a in a positive manner. Um, the the players were average. The, the team was as mid table as it gets. To be honest, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was just average <laughs> written all over the club. So they were looking for someone uh, who might uh, bring something new, bring bring a breath of fresh air. And and Klopp, what he did, I mean, yes, he had success with Mainz, which is a smaller club yeah. overall right um not not much funding behind it and uh, not not a not a big time tra traditional city of, of of big time football but um he also was the tele uh, television expert at the world cup in 20 uh, in 06 at, at the home world cup basically you know, hosted by germany yeah. and he was there and he basically like like presented himself in the best light possible to be honest like he was eloquent he was funny he was just how you got to know him um, when he came to Liverpool but even mm -hmm. like even a little bit younger you know like kind of the the 30 year old or the 30 something year old who was just uh winning hearts left and right basically so and don't mind for like all right why not him because he's he's all smiles uh a positive energy um can can talk well also mm -hmm. something can talk to the media well can maybe even sell a few defeats well because that was also a problem but like when Dortmund lost no one had an explanation and everyone was on the edge basically right <laughs> um because one of the coaches before was Thomas Stoll and and he in uh, once upon a time said that when he was criticized for the performance of his team was like oh, I'm, I'm laughing my ass off that's actually a quote in German, but still. Yeah. Um, and he was screaming at journalists and stuff like that. So, all right, they needed something else. So they, they brought in Klopp with the, with the hope that maybe he can uh, revitalize Dortmund. And mm -hmm. obviously it took him two or three years because the team was as average as I just mentioned. And you can't yeah. just t turn a, a ship on a dime. That's not possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but he managed to do it. And he, they also gave him time. And they also saw improvement from, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he, he finished eighth in the first year, sixth in the seventh, in, in, in the second year. So, you saw kind of, you know, where that might go. No one yeah. expected him to win the, uh, the the German Championship or get to the final of the Champions League. Um, mm. But I mean, why not? It turned out well. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned some of his, his key traits there, sort of his likability, his personality. What do you think was so important in the early years at Dortmund to, be, to get people on side? And to really, you mentioned the success he had, but he went about transforming that Dortmund side and club indeed. What were the key factors behind that, would you say? Yeah, I mean, of course, first was tactics, and uh, he, he is uh, kind of a student of that pressing style that now uh, a lot of people know and got to know over the years, right? Yeah. And it was something um, that was not really developed. I mean, there, there were previous, in the previous decades, there were also coaches uh, applying similar things tactically, mm -hmm. uh, surely not with like the, the now modern back four and stuff like that, but, but still, I mean, he wasn't the first one. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Uh, but still, I mean, um, he kind of, picked up some things he knew he he, he he watched a lot of other um high level coaches and tried to mold his system which mm -hmm. of course worked well especially for for a side that was struggling to create chances to play attack an attacking style it just being very pressing heavy winning mm -hmm. the ball back you know creating that fast paced style um work worked quite well and also on the other hand what what his leadership skills. I mean, they, they showed early on and I think uh, what he does well is also making, let's see, average or slightly above average player just better uh, by making them believe in themselves. Because, I mean, you can you can be like a mid-table player and you can say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not good enough to play for the national team. Mm. Maybe I'm I'm good enough to play in the first league, but I will never be any anything special. Yeah. And, and he can kind of create that they can put them in a good headspace, make them believe that maybe they are special. Mm -hmm. And and what he did in the first few years at Dortmund was 
taking players like Lukas Piszczek, for instance, the right back, who was like uh, an average wide winger at, at Hertha Berlin a few uh, before that. Mm -hmm. Got a few goals, but it's like no one really talked about him. And then he he put him into the Dortmund team and made him made him believe that you can be a special kind of right back and you can be a world beater. And I mean, a few years later, Piszczek had these duels with Cristiano Ronaldo in a couple of Champions League games, and he actually. I think he contained Ronaldo quite well. So I mean, that's that's kind of the club magic, you know, making mm. uh, people believe. Uh, if he if he also believes in players, because I think when we now talk about a rebuild, yeah, Klopp Klopp is loyal to players who have done well for him in the past, right? Yeah. And maybe there's some uh, degree of loyalty that might be uh, detrimental to you know the success of the team. He might stick to players for a bit too long. But what also Klopp can be a little bit ruthless if he sees a player. And things, all right. There's nothing. There's there's no trade that that uh, is helping me or the team. Then he can also t tell the player off and say, "Mate, look for some, look for another team. I I, I can't do anything with you." He can be like that. But if he mm -hmm. believes in players, if he believes in their mentality, their athletic abilities, their technical abilities, at least to an extent, then he can work with them, and then can, he wants to make them better. So he can also be a little bit ruthless. There are players who, who have told stories about Klopp essentially uh, saying to them um, well you're not good enough for me sorry <laughs> look look elsewhere <laughs> not here yeah uh, he can be a little bit like that it's maybe underestimated at times um because in the end like clock club can be all smiles but he wants to win and he wants yeah. to win trophies and he wants to you know be number one i mean that's his that's his objective yeah absolutely the, the two loyal tag has actually been labeled at him in this country as well recently with certain players especially um it's something I think is one of his biggest strengths, but can also be a weakness because, like I say, players who've been willing to run through brick walls for him, he does stand by them, maybe a little bit too long in certain cases. But just coming back to, before we sort of move on a little bit towards what happened towards the end of his time at Dortmund, how important were transfers, particularly in the early days when he took over the job at Borussia? How important were his signings? And do you think signings could be a key part of what he has to do at Liverpool next? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's a completely different situation with Liverpool because there, there's much more money that should be, might be available. I, I know yeah. some, some fans, some fans doubt uh, doubt that FSG is actually uh, <laughs> making the funds available. But yeah. still, I mean, overall, the, the bank account of Liverpool right now is is much much larger than uh, what yeah. Dortmund had at that time because we you shouldn't forget that. In the mid aughts in, in in the mid two thousands, uh, Dortmund were on the verge of insolvency. Yeah. So, so I yeah, and even though they prevented that from happening still they had trouble really uh in terms of like cash being available for them mm -hmm. to make transfers and you have to have some cash available so transfers were a big part because Dortmund had a, had a few young academy graduates like Mario Götze but mm -hmm. only a few mm -hmm. um and even, even some of the academy graduates left Dortmund because they they didn't really uh, saw a future there. Okay. Um, they, they, they thought like elsewhere might be a bit more fruitful to be there uh, instead of Dortmund because Dortmund was a bit, uh, uh, excuse my French, but was a bit of a shit show for a time. Um, let's be honest. Um, so a few, a few academic questions, yes, but also they needed transfers. And I, I mentioned Piszczek, who mm -hmm. came for nothing, basically. Shinji Kagawa, yeah. um, who came, for, who moved to Dortmund for, I think, 300,000 euros, basically in, in today's world, nothing. Um, so he, he needed transfers. He needed to make transfers. He needed to make signings, but um, cheap ones that still worked out. And he, he he managed it. I mean, of course, there were also some players who didn't work out, and they they, they went away again. Um, but they tried that. They tried to find these these few players, maybe underappreciated, 
undervalued and we pick them up and we make them some into something. Mm-hmm. And I think Klopp managed that, but he needed signings because otherwise um, the, the team he had was a team of uh, mid to late 20 year olds and, and early 30 year olds were, as I said, uh, some of them were just as mid table as it gets. And uh, they, they, they didn't do anything, anything um, after they left Dortmund, to be honest, mm-hmm. like they just, you know, they went away basically or played second division football. Right then moving on, it's Jano Inside Time. It was me and Neil Jones who literally flew in from New York from his holidays Drove straight here to the studio and filmed the show. What an absolute legend Neil is. He loves doing the show. He loves bringing you guys that insight. So yeah, fair play to Neil and his commitment. And thank you to his missus as well for allowing him to jump off a plane and come straight here, by the way. Right then, we spoke about Gavardial, RB Leipzig centre-half. Liverpool linked with him by Fabrizio Romano earlier in the week. I asked Neil about that and what his potential arrival or interest in him means for the futures of both Joel Matip and Joe Gomez. Check this out. Josh Go Gavardio, obviously anyone who watched Manchester City versus RB Leipzig uh, yesterday evening at the time recording will have seen he scored Leipzig's goal in that one-all draw. Fabrizio Romano was speaking about him, transfer guru himself, uh, basically saying many top clubs are monitoring him, including Chelsea. Obviously Chelsea wanted to sign him very, very recently. They want him last summer. Man City and also Liverpool, there's a lot of interest around him. Leipzig wanted to make, wants him to be the most expensive centre-back ever. Liverpool have sent their scouts to watch the player multiple times in the last couple of months. Um, you spoke... A few weeks ago, you wrote it, and then you spoke about it on this show. Like, there's, there's chatter that this could be the end of John Matip's Liverpool career mm. um, by this summer. You, we've we've already discussed today, like Joe Gomez's positioning within this squad now is severely in doubt because he can't. It, it's hard to rely on that guy at the moment. Ibu Kanate's injury record is a concern. I think Virgil Van Dijk isn't Virgil Van Dijk of, of a couple of years ago. So you've been saying for a while there's a centre half uh, conundrum coming down, and there it is. Um, it does feel like again something's going to happen at centre half, whether it's Cavadio or something else. But he would be, you know, he, he ticks a lot of boxes in terms of age, profile, how many games he's played, the club he's at. You know, if you're making a, a, a list of things Liverpool like, yeah. he, he's he's on a lot of those. Yeah, probably a path price, isn't it? It's probably the only one. Yeah, you know, if you're talking about the most cent- expensive centre back ever, um, he's he's really good, isn't he? He, you know, I think we saw it at the World Cup. Really, I know, I know he his World Cup gets remembered for sort of Lionel Messi. Making a mug of him, but a very harsh sort of way to to, to think about. He he was one of the best centre backs at the World Cup, you know, and that that was that's on Messi as opposed to on on Guardiola. Um, I watched I watched the Leipzig game last night actually in the airport in in New York. Um, and well, I watched the second half of it, and they were I thought they were brilliant. Leipzig, I thought they were really really good, and he was he was a massive massive part of it. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna go to a top club. I think there was a comment. I think Marco Rose, the coach, said something along the lines of, "We are having him next season. He will be a Leipzig player next season." He said he's made no secret of the fact he wants to play in the Premier League, but he never said when. I think that's what he, that's the, that was a quote I saw. He's going to play in the Premier League. I think quite clearly. You know, he was talking about. He was, I think he was talking about close to joining Leeds, wasn't he? A, a while back. Um, he nearly joined Chelsea. Yeah, he nearly joined Chelsea last summer. Uh, I think he nearly joined Leeds maybe when they first came up into the Premier League. Uh, which you know, I think they'd have done all right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they probably wouldn't be where they are now if they had him at centre back. Um, he's going to play in the Premier League. He's going to go for big money, no question about it. You look at him, left-sided centre back, rare in themselves, high level, good on the ball. Looks like a winner to me. Looks like someone who you know he's going to. He's a leader almost. I, I, I don't know about him. Sort of whether that's how he's seen at Leipzig as a, you know a big communicator and that kind of thing. But he looks the way he plays. 
is one that sort of I could see people following him, you know, and saying, "Oh yeah, go on, that's that's Is great. he someone whose uh, whose name you've heard come up in conversations? Because you, you you've been you've been on this actually a long time. You've been saying it to me for a while on air, and I feel like centre half is something that you need because everyone's yeah. been going Bellingham, midfield, Nunes, Mount, midfield, 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 and like say, actually no, there's something over here. I'd like to think Liverpool have got a list. Oh, you, you would. Oh yeah, you would definitely mm-hmm. think so. I mean, did they they've put themselves in a it, it it didn't feel like a problem, did it? Ten months ago, four four really really good centre backs, you know, on the day. But you've seen Matip lose his way. You've seen Gomez lose his way. Canarthi's obviously had a, a a season disrupted heavily by injuries. So is Virgil Van Dijk. He's four man injuries have have you know dipped or form has dipped and injuries have struck. Um, I mean, Guardiola's a left sided centre back, so that's Virgil. Virgil's side, isn't it? So. Succession plans would tell you probably a left side of centre back in the next year or two definitely must you know must be on the agenda, mustn't it? You know you can't you can't expect a, any player to go into the sort of late thirties, let alone one who's had an ACL injury. Um, you know he might, but you still need to be sort of thinking about what comes down the line. I haven't heard Guardiola sort of suggested as like, oh yeah, he's the one Liverpool wants, or he you know he's on a list. But listen. <laughs> If they're not, if he isn't on a list, then they're not doing the job properly, are they? You know, there's not many, there's not many world class centre backs that I see potential world class centre backs. You know, I, I, I think you've seen how how much clubs have struggled to find centre backs. You know, I mean, Chelsea's still relying on Thiago Silva. You know, that they've they've spent a lot of money on players that you'd say are maybes. You know, by the Ashile and um, Wesley Fofana, people like that. City have obviously ended up sort of getting a. Uh, a surprise signing in someone like Akanji and Nathan Ake. They were they were players who you wouldn't have said, "Oh God!" But did they're... they spend big on Ruben Diaz? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah of, of course. Yeah. But even he, I mean, he's he's been in and out the side this season. Laporte's been in and out the side. You know, th- th- there's a lot of clubs. You know, you look at Arsenal bought Ben White for big big money and ended up having to play him at right back. And... The two, I've got the list here because, as you mentioned, about Leipzig saying about the most expensive players. Yes, yeah, so Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire so... top. The Ligt is second, doesn't even play there anymore. He's, you know, yeah, he's gone, uh, yeah, yeah. There's Van Dijk, Fafana, says Liverpool, it's Fafana obviously to, to Chelsea, Lucas Hernandez, Ruben Diaz, the Ligt again, uh, obviously the second one, Hakimi, <laughs> so Marco Corella's on there. Like the list of, the, if you're talking about the most expensive defender of all time, it's about yeah. £78 million pound for Harry Maguire. That's the, that's the one where you think, right, because we know Liverpool are in need of major midfield surgery, we know that. If the money is all going towards that, there's a ch- I mean, I know the, the comments, therefore, from Leipzig actually could help Liverpool out. If it's, we're not going to sell them this summer, it's the yeah. year after. Yeah. Because Liverpool might not, we might not, we might have to go one more. Depend- again, Joe Matip's future dependent, but if they're going to, if th- that might be something that actually benefits us, I don't know. Yeah, you don't, and also, listen, it, 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 I, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit with myself here, but you don't know how. Them centre backs can look a million dollars if you can sort the rest of the team out. You know, yep. they they can have cigars out the next season, and you look at Joe Gomez and say, "What's a player? Rolls Royce? Look at him!" You know, just sort of bringing the ball out from the back and and having to do the odd occasional run back towards his own goal and, and stop a counter attack. At the moment, all of those players look massively exposed, and confidence is low, and they look insufficient at this moment. We know that, that somewhere in there is. It's a, a Premier League title winning centre back in Gomez, uh, you know, a, a world class centre back in in Van Dijk. I think I think will be a world class centre back in Canate. And Joe Matip's been an excellent player for Liverpool for many years. I, I I think Matip is the one that I think Liverpool would 
I think Liverpool will sell him in the summer. I personally, I think he, I think he will, he will go. The fact that he's not in the side at the yeah. moment is, is a reflection of, of that, you know. And that you know, he's had his own struggles in in recent weeks, you know, not least in that the the, the Wolves and the Brighton games. Um, he's not had a. A good season. If you if you're trying to get a new contract, which is probably what he's after, because he's down to yeah. he's, he's coming up to a year left. This isn't the season you want to go into no. go into into that. No, exactly that. And if you're if you're thinking about Liverpool, we're talking about money and we're talking about sale saleable assets. He's not a particularly saleable asset because of his age, but he's more saleable than than a lot of others. And Joe Gomez has got a, a new contract in the bag. He's he's a homegrown player. He plays right back. He's he's still young enough that you you say well you can you can still take another punt on it. I, I'm not sure I would necessarily, but I think Liverpool probably will. I think Matip's the one that you're looking at and saying, well, if we if we are going to bring in a centre back, I think it's going to be a Matip replacement, yeah. which probably rules out Guardiola at this stage because of a a the price, but also the where he plays. He's I think that it'd be a right sided centre back. I suppose Neil, as well, if you. Again, we, talk, we, we do this often the sale of assets and the money stuff like if, if Liverpool we, we are worried not, not so much worried but we're talking about money and obviously we, we imagine a lot of that if not most of it's going to go on, on a midfield um, selling Joel Matip and again I've been saying this for how many windows but selling Nat Phillips and then just bringing one in and then you've got like a Reese Williams or something as your fifth option he's around or whoever it is that could be one way where because that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm thinking now yeah. it's like Signing fourth choice players, I'm never a big fan of it because you're thinking, well, they're fourth choice for a reason. But maybe if you can offset it by selling those two and get yourself a really quality player, maybe someone who goes above Joe Gomez in the yeah. pecking order, I think that should be the ideal I, well, situation. I, I think, to be honest, just to move on, just a more general point, I think Liverpool have to, they, they, they can't think like that. They can't be thinking we're going to buy a squad player. It, it, this, is, this is the team now, isn't it? This is not, this is not our benches week. Or, or you know, we need another game changer to come on, and, and you know, in tight games, or to, to to help us compete on multiple fronts in in the cup competition. This is the team. The actual team is is weak at the moment, or too weak. Yeah. So, this has to be players who you think they can be our first choice. You know, all right, maybe not immediately. You know, I think Canate was is a good good sort of um, benchmark if you want to call it that. You know, I don't think anyone, or I don't think everyone sort of thought, well, he goes straight into Liverpool's team. You know, Canate. I don't think people thought with Luis Diaz when he when he signed. I don't think everyone said, "Well, he goes there. He's straight on the left." You know, they still had Mane, they still had Firmino, Jota. You know, but they knew that he was capable of it. They knew that he, you know, he had the talent and and he showed it straight away. Didn't he? Canate took a little bit longer. You know, you've seen Nunes. I think Nunes is coming into his own. You know, or will will come into his own in in, in the coming months and and years. But he's another one, isn't he? That you know. At the start of the season, I think he started the season on the bench, didn't he? At, at Fulham, but you knew that he, he will get in the team at some point. You know, he will be, he will be capable. You can't, you can't be buying sort of Shakiris and people like that. And Minaminos, you're saying, well, they're just a nice little pick up there, and they can go on the bench. And you know, in certain games, you can bring him on. It has to be now players that now he can come in and, and immediately sort of challenge to strengthen the first eleven. And that that's where Liverpool are at. So whoever they sign, whether it's a centre back, whether it's a midfielder. Whether it's a forward, whether it's another goalkeeper, almost you know you, they need to be players who, in any given game, you can say, well, they're, they're going to start, and and you know if they play well, they keep the shirt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking to the centre back plans, it, it feels like, and if you again, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like it could be Phillips and Matip out, and maybe one coming in, as well as a midfield, maybe two or three. Like that's a big summer. Like that's very unlivable. Like not in terms of only in terms of money, which we know like it isn't always available for for a variety of reasons. Um, 
And secondly, just in terms of actual turnover of players, yeah. that would be like that. That would be the rebuild and almost like, you know, three in, five out. It, that, that's very un Liverpool like, but I suppose that's the, that's where we found ourselves now that that's needed. Yeah. It's almost a necessity now. Yeah. And, you know, you look at that, if you want a benchmark or a, a barometer of sort of what they need, really, you look at that sort of June 2017 to July 2018. Robertson, Salah, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Alisson. Keita, um, they need. They they all came in for big money, except for Robertson, and to go into the first team. They 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 were signings that were made to, to strengthen the first team. That that that's you know, that's what Liverpool need now. They need sort of four or five players that can be part of the next Liverpool team. I, I think they've got some of them already. You know, you I think Canate, I think Nunes, Diaz, promising signs from Gakpo as well. Yeah. I want to speak to you about Joe Gomez, if you don't mind me doing that quickly. Okay. Is he a little bit lucky, maybe, that so much change is needed and also we think Joe Matter might be on his way out because the ruthlessness inside you could go, you know what, we might just give up on him. Yeah. And the fact that he's English well helps with the homegrown stuff because it feel, he feels like, you know, you need you need new wallpaper in the living room, but by the way, the kitchen's flooded, so you can't, <laughs> you, 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 it needs doing, but you know, we're not going to do it just yet because, I, I mean... The more people you listen to about Joe Gomez, and unfortunately, the more we see of him, it, it's getting worse. It, yeah. it's, it's, get, it's getting to a point where like you, you just you want a lad in your team, and you don't think you can rely on him anymore. And yeah. that again, we haven't been there for a long time, really. We've been, you know, I mean, since maybe Dejan left, and everyone was a bit worried about Dejan. Since then, really, you haven't had lads in your team, and you, you're thinking, I just don't know. We can't rely on him. We don't know what we're going to get. We're worried about him playing. Very rarely do we get that. Yeah, and you're right. I worried. I, I worried when he had the injury yeah. that it was it, his injury history is it's appalling for for him, you know, in terms of his and a lot of man is poor lads, you know, like he's had he's had so much. He's had he's had a broken ankle. He's had a, a broken leg. So he's had ankle ligaments. He's broken leg, cruciate ligaments. You know, patella rupture. 25, 26 years of age. You know, so much sort of wear and tear on him. But not only that, you know, so much sort of time lost developing his game as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. in terms of training and, and and you know we know we know his gifts. You know, he's he's lightning quick. But the, the fact that he got to that ball in the first place ahead of Vinicius, that that just shows yeah. he has got. But, that. And, well, also, and he was in the right place. <laughs> I, the, the one the one criticism. Listen, he, bottom line, Joe Gomez is a great great guy, right? So Joe Gomez, this is not gratuitous criticism of Joe. This is this is me. Not wanting to do to say these kind of things because, but his his weakness, Joe Gomez's big weakness, is is Liverpool's big weakness this season. It's he's not aggressive enough, whether it's in the air, whether it's on the ground. The foul he gives away on Vinicius is him almost forcing himself to be aggressive because he knows he can't afford to sort of not go in for this tackle. But actually, he he either needed to be completely you know right through and take everything, or Standoff, but he's he's between because he doesn't know what he's you know he doesn't he's doing something that he's not comfortable doing flying into a tackle and he gives away a free kick but that's his weakness he's not aggressive enough and if Liverpool are gonna be what they are and get that gnarl and that snarl and that real sort of energy and all those kind of things back that we we associate with them and we associate with the Jurgen Klopp side I'm not sure he's there I'm not I'm not sure he's he's gonna be able to be part of that you know with them. Maybe maybe we'll be proven wrong. Maybe you know 
look, he just he has to work through a bad patch and he gets a run on the side and he gets the manager says, Look, you're my guy. Just come on, get yourself back to where you were two, three years ago. I don't see it. Yeah, thanks again to Neil for literally jumping off an airplane and coming down to talk to us about the Reds. Fantastic show, really enjoy filming it. Hope you guys enjoy it when you do go and check out the whole episode. Right then, moving on, Chris Payjack and Josh Williams. It's the deep dive, and yet the big topic everyone's talking about is Liverpool's midfield. The guys have a little chat about Shuamani. Liverpool didn't get him, but why and why, why, why they, A, didn't get a replacement and B, why they really, really, really should have got a replacement. Yeah, check out the clip from the deep dive. And Chouameni was another one of those midfielders, um, but Liverpool didn't get him. And it's it's difficult to kind of determine what life would be like now if the, if he had have arrived, would he have given, given everyone the boost just in terms of morale and things like that. I think a new signing can do that for you. Um, would he have been available all season? Would Liverpool have won the ball more? Would Liverpool have been this as easy as they have been to cut open? And I think I don't think he would have been like a, a complete solution on his own, but I do think he would have been a massive fix for a lot of the leaks that we've seen this season. Um, Liverpool obviously didn't buy anyone, as you said, as you said earlier, loaned Arthur Mello. He was a completely different type of player, by the way. Um, and we now have to get an alternative for him this summer. Yeah. And so can I ask you a question there? Come on. I think, you know, Bellingham, Tushimani, was it was it ever one or the other for you? I've, I've thought about this. This is an interesting one. Because if the plan was to get both, I mean, that's one hell of a midfield. Um, and that's one hell of a way of moving past. It's also what Bale is yeah, yeah. Well, Bastards. it makes sense. It makes sense. And they've got players, ah. They've yeah. got good players. Yeah. But it, it, Alverde, Camavinga, Modric. I mean, Cruz, they've got players. That, I know, it's scary, isn't it? Sweaty bastards. <laughs> but I think Klopp has been, like, really wedded to, like, Henderson, Milner, Wijnaldum, players like that over the years, hasn't he? He's been really reluctant to upgrade on them. Till death do us part for James yeah. Milner and Henderson, literally. Yeah, proper. Proper, <laughs> proper wed. I think he's kind of probably said to the transfer committee or whatever, if I'm get, if I'm going to move past Milner, it's going to have to be a worldie, you know? Yeah. And it's going to, and it's that's where you've got he's to... He's them to ransom. We're going to play James again in midfield <laughs> this season. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that initially after losing out on too many, that's when we give Milner a one-year contact extension then. Because I think if too many had have signed, maybe Milner moves on and we go through this period of... Who would we have as our backup right-back? Well, that, that was why we got Calvin Ramsey in. Well, I know. That's but, why I'm asking uh, the question, he's, he's Josh. Never, he's never fit, is he? That's, so who would we have had? Yeah. Is it just Joe? Probably would have been goners, yeah. And Joe's our centre-half now? Yeah. Hell, but this, this this summer we are tasked with essentially getting Bellingham in as whether he's an alternative to too many or the plan was to always get him all along. And if the plan was to always get him all along... Then we still have to get an alternative to too many from somewhere else. Um and whoever that player might be, I mean I've got a few rough names who, who might fit the bill. For example, Moises Casado is a, a definite ball winner. But I think there's gonna be real competition for his services and I think Brighton wanna get paid in that sense. Might just wanna stay at Brighton the way we've been playing. <laughs> Potentially, I mean they're gonna finish above us, aren't they, the way it's going at the minute. Too many had a partner at Monaco called yeah, Yusuf Fafana. He was a good midfielder, played for France at the World Cup. Um, I also think a bit of a wild card option is is Tyler Adams at Leeds. Okay. Um, only been near a year, and he's not he's nowhere near the same level. But he's a really industrious 
workhorse, like a piano carrier of, of what Liverpool have had early in Klopp's tenure. Um, we're talking more in the Wijnaldum mould. Yeah, yeah, just kind of a proper grafter like Milner and Henderson five years ago. That kind of mould. Nothing special, no stardust, but he will be a functional player and he'll let everyone else take the risks and get the wins and he'll just kind of cover the ground in the middle. Um, there's also a lad for PSV called Ibrahim Sangare, who we got linked with a little bit last season. He was linked to Chelsea and stuff, but he's like 6'3", wins the ball a lot, good on the on the ball and stuff. But who, who will Liverpool get? I mean, we're linked with Matthias Nunes, aren't we? Mm. I don't know what you think about that. I'm not sure on that one. I, when I've watched him, considering Liverpool are wide open defensively, he looks to me like a player with the ball, a player to to use when you've got possession. Um, so I don't I don't know if I'm that in favour of that one really, but he's a good player. Obviously. So uh, I said this a couple of years ago. I, I like Declan Rice. I, I yeah, think he's yeah, a really I good player. Like, and I think I got absolute dogs abuse for the start of last season, suggesting that we should sign him, and we do this video. Was it the start of last season, Tom, was it maybe? Or was it maybe the start of the season before? I can't remember. I think it was the start of last season. We do this video where we pretend we're the Liverpool director of football. We've got the money in. It's <laughs> yeah. like a bit footy manager-ish. Yeah, I've done a few of them. Like just messing around. And I went, Declan Rice is one of my like absolute star buys. Because I just, and this is you know, nearly two seasons ago now. A lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon because of his performance for England and, and stuff like that. But I've always thought there's something there. I think he's I think he's more than just win the ball back, play the ball yeah, type yeah, of a midfielder. Like he carries the ball as well, doesn't he? I like Hoiberg. I know he came up in one of the graphs uh, the graphics before the visitors. Yeah. I really like Hoiberg. I don't think he's quite the probably the age profile that Liverpool are looking for right now. Mm. Um but again Hoiberg, Declan Rice, Tushimani, Tumani, they're all six foot or there, or there, or six foot, six foot one. Yeah. And that's something I think Liverpool, from when we've won the league to where we are now, we've lost a bit of that physicality. And it kind of reminds me of Wenger when he had Emmanuel Petit and Patrick Vieira in the middle of the park and they were winning league titles. And then you looked at Arsenal in the lean years where they were just getting fourth. I say lean, it's an incredible achievement what Wenger did in those years. Yeah. But they were slight and agile and technical. And you need that physicality. Mm. You need six footers and the strength because Man City have got it. Great teams in Europe have got the technical ability, but they're stacked physically now as well. So I think Liverpool are targeting a physical ball winning, probably box box midfielder. And I don't watch enough footy out other than Liverpool anymore to be able to name them. I can see the lads in the Premier League because I watch them when they come up against us. Yeah. But I used to know, 20 years ago, I'd know every friggin' midfielder in Europe. I don't do that now. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, not yeah. who I am. I don't have that time in my life. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, but I, I do think Liverpool still need that kind of too many profile. Um, a lot of what you've just said potentially relates to what will happen with Fabinho. I've seen the odd murmur that like he could fund some of their transfer moves and stuff. But say, for example, we were to get a Declan Rice... I think one of the reasons too many was special was because he can play as an eight, can play as a six. Yeah. Rice for me is a six. That's where Fabinho plays. So that that's what would be difficult in that sense. Um, but it just depends how the squad's going to look in the summer and who's going to go. And... Well, well, let's let's start it as that basis then. Is Fabinho in your starting team next year? Because let's say you sign the two Shemaini replacements and you get Jude Bellingham in. Just on a fucking whim. Why not? <laughs> Are you playing him with Fabinho, Josh? Um, I just don't know. I think he could play him with Fabinho, but it'd have to be it'd have to be Fabinho, not this imposter he was <laughs> for the past seven months. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think uh, I think Bellingham is. I've said I, I covered it. <laughs> I covered it a few months ago. Didn't There's I? the title. Yeah, Fabinho the imposter. <laughs> I covered it a few months ago, didn't I? When uh, when I was talking about Bellingham, how he's not just this late arriving goal scoring mid. He's an absolute complete profile who does everything. So I think he could absolutely play with Fabinho, but it'd have to be the real Fabinho. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if that's there anymore. I really don't. I'm, I'm doubting it more every week. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, the last when we won two games on the bounce, the those days, fantastic <laughs> they were. I really did think, oh, Fabinho's getting into a little bit of form. I yeah. did, yeah, I did. And then obviously at the weekend, what, uh, the midweek, no. What I've found is interesting is Klopp's just so reluctant to criticise any player in public. Fabinho, this season, he's got a few digs in towards, and it's, it does suggest that Klopp, who knows a lot more than me and you, Speak for yourself. <laughs> he definitely knows more than me too. <laughs> Klopp must see something in Fabinho where it's, he doesn't think it's the system around him. He thinks he's just not doing his job based on some of the things Klopp said this season. And if that's the case, you know, he's although he's 29, he's never been particularly mobile. He's been playing like over 2,000 minutes consistently since like 19-year-old or whatever. And maybe he's just a bit further on in his career than his age actually suggests in terms of a decline maybe or, or whatever and that's just up to Liverpool's the people inside Liverpool to determine it. Do you think you could get money for Fabinho still? Do you think you get 40, 50 million yeah, for you'd, him? you'd still get a fair amount for him simply because of how much how many years he's got in his contract still. He's still I think he's contracted to like 2026 so he's still got three years left on his deal. I can see him like Atletico Madrid or something like that for like 40, 50 million or something but um I just don't know whether that would be a smart move because you've got to sell assets if you want to buy. Yeah, the, the only thing with it is if we did do that, we're also potentially losing Naby and Milner and Ox. That would be a fourth midfielder, and people would say we need this overhaul on that, and I agree. But that's a lot of change in one summer. Um, it's a lot of new players to teach and a lot of work to do and stuff. So I don't know if Klopp will shy away from that or not, but. It's just an open question, really, isn't it? But we, we just can't... You just keep Milner around for another year and play <laughs> yeah. him there. And yeah, there you go, that would be it, wouldn't it? That's how you solve that problem. I know. He's going to be playing for Liverpool when he's got a free box pass, I think. <laughs> Thanks to Josh and Chris for that one. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Redmen Weekly Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed those clips. Like I say, if you want to go and check out those entire shows or even just one or two of them, you don't have to listen to everyone. It's a bit like Netflix. You can dip in, dip out, take a pick of what you want and have a go at it. But yeah, they're available all in video form. They're also available in podcast forms directly into your native podcast app. So if you want to go and do that, head on over to redmenplus.com. Sign up as a yearly club captain. Use the code weekly and get it for 25 quid. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify. If you're a Spotify user and you want to pay Spotify for their subscription service, if you just search for Redmen Plus Podcasts on Spotify, sign up and yet you can pay them directly and you can get them into your Spotify app if that is your thing that you love doing. We can't offer you no discount codes or anything like that on Spotify because, quite frankly, they don't let us do it. So I, my suggestion would be to head on over to the website and do it there. But listen, if you're an avid Spotify listener and you want to just use Spotify all the time, just search Redmen Plus, Pod, Redmen Plus Podcasts on your Spotify app and you can sign up through them, right? I'm, I've done plenty of talking, too much talking, some would say. So I'm going to shoot off. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Weekly. We'll be back next week. See you in a bit.